Welcome to the Cowboys. This season six veteran. We all judge you. We all judge you. Everybody is watching you play. All waiting to see why you got paid. What happens next? What happens next? Subpar performance. Subpar performance. I dare you to lift your team up on your back. Another turnover. Another turnover, but it wasn't Dak's problem. No, it wasn't Dak's fault this time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, you like Dak? I am the Average Joe Boo of Average Joe's Media, and uh, today we got a little, uh, little time to talk objectively. Time to think about what did Jerry Jones pay for why did he pay for it, and um, what, in comparison, where does he fall, where does he uh, stack up among current quarterbacks, uh, whether they're currently starting or not, uh, but they, I don't, to my knowledge, haven't retired. My knowledge isn't that vast on all the quarterbacks, but uh, let's just let's just look and see what are we paying for for these first five years. So let's, uh, we're going to take a little jump back into last episode. First of all, uh, I'll open that with a pretty ridiculous statement. Um, it's ridiculous because it was embellished, it was exaggerated for the sake of uh, uh, ex- getting my point across. Uh, Dak, was, Dak was 100% responsible for the loss against Denver. Okay, Clearly not. Clearly, he was he was only in for whatever percentage of the game that the offense had uh, possession of the ball. Okay, so uh, he clearly wasn't responsible for all of the defensive plays. He wasn't responsible for uh, catching the ball. Okay, so the the two drops or whatever the the two that were super obvious. There was one by Pollard, and I believe there was one by Cooper. The others were. Were, were tough catches, probably because they were not that great of throws. We'll go back and we'll dissect that film because uh, we're going to have an episode of each game dissected, and that's coming. Uh, but no, he wasn't 100% responsible for the game. He was, in my opinion, about 96% responsible for the entire offensive play. Okay, uh, uh, the, the third and shorts... Um, that he throws 50 yards on when he only needs like three or four yards. He tries to go for the end zone, uh, ending the possession, therefore giving the ball back to Denver, which creates that disparity of time of possession. So uh, those type of things, absolutely ridiculous. Um, you're, You're looking at not being able to run the ball effectively, even though our stats, I believe up until that last four minutes of the game when it was garbage time, uh, our stats indicated that our run attack was better, way better um, uh, proportionally than our passing attack. You can't have an effective running attack without an effective pass 
attack. Okay, uh, so maybe not 100%. Maybe not 100% for the offense, about 96%. Some coaching malpractice, right? Some things should have been happening. There should have been more screen passes called because if we jump back into the Tampa Bay game, one of his acclaimed games, he threw like, I don't know, 30 40% of his completions and yards came off of screen passes like why aren't we doing that we got we got seven people in the box maybe eight people in the box by Denver one-on-one on the outside so they're gonna pressure Dak and then uh why don't we just dump it to a receiver who who leaks out or, or a running back that leaks out and then now he's like he, he got one or two people blocking in front of him they only got to take care of one or two people on the left or right side and now it's off to the races but you can't you can't do that if you don't call it. So, okay, so there's some coaching malpractice in there. Uh, Maybe we'll bump that down from 96% to about 92%, okay? Because this was, this, Dak controls the offense while on the field, okay? He doesn't control the play calling, but let's go ahead and back up a step. If there's a blitz coming, the quarterback should be looking at that identifying it, and then changing the play. How about we change the play so the quarterback does have the capability of changing the call from the sideline when he sees something ridiculously uh, efficient on the defensive side about to happen against him to make him inefficient. So uh, basically what happened was Dak Prescott caused, uh, or excuse me, Denver forced Dak Prescott to beat him, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't keep him on the field. He kept going three and out or maybe a first down or two and then three and out. Uh, The time of possession was ridiculously in favor of the Broncos. And largely, when we have the ball, when Dallas has the ball, the quarterback is responsible for taking time off the clock, for completing plays, for making changes at the line, for doing all kinds of stuff. By the first half, he should have noticed that there was something going on on that offensive line where he needed to adjust, make a play call that was different, that he could run and potentially have some effect in that game. And and that just didn't happen. Uh, the last four or five minutes, Denver went into prevent defense, and then they, you know, we, we racked up a couple hundred, uh, like a hundred pass yards or whatever, a couple touchdowns. So anyways, uh, yeah. Let's let's also understand that if if you hear the first I don't know two minutes of this thing, and then you come away with a a conclusion because of an embellishment, an obvious one hundred percent of the entire game, where I'm talking superlatives, and you you don't understand exaggeration, you don't understand someone's personal opinion uh, that he's trying to embellish on just simply to allow his opinion to be. Uh, uh, portrayed. Okay. Uh, go ahead and listen to the whole thing. Go ahead and listen to the end where, where it talks about all the stuff that did happen, but Dak had a large responsibility in trying to limit all those things. So, uh, you get into the conversation of, okay, well, who's going to do it? Who's going to, who's going to come in and be Dak, be the quarterback instead of Dak Prescott. And you can't, you can't answer that question right now because nobody in the league is in the same position that Dak is. Uh, the the front office can't just go and get somebody. So I get it. We're stuck with Dak until something else presents itself, something in the draft. Uh, if there's a quarterback that is leaps and bounds above everybody else coming out of college, then yeah, maybe we trade up to go get him if quarterback is a need that Jerry Jones, who in my opinion is relatively senile because he's paying elite price for average production. So, um, 
if you're if you're looking at that, yeah, there's nothing currently that could just uh, step in and do the job and and instantly take us to the playoffs or to the Super Bowl. That doesn't make any sense. Okay, so if we're talking objectively, let's talk about what should we have gotten from Dak if he's an elite quarterback, if he is top tier that is being proclaimed. What should we have gotten by now? He's in year six, and and I, I have a quarterback comparison here of of ten guys other than Dak Prescott, and I did not include the years where they weren't starters, or maybe they didn't start uh, more than more than nine or ten games. Okay, so I took their first six years of starting, and and I have playoff appearances, Super Bowl appearances, Super Bowl wins completion percentage, and so on and so forth. And so current quarterbacks in the league today, they may be hurt right now. Russell Wilson's hurt. He might be coming back this week. Aaron Rodgers, COVID protocol, you know what's going on with that. Uh, Joe Flacco, I don't know if he's retired yet. Uh, I have heard some some rumblings about him coming in and out, doing something. Uh, regardless, um, I don't know if he's retired. So he's on this list. Uh, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and Tom Brady. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is also on this list. So what should we have gotten by now? What should we be expecting if he's elite? Well, automatically, I would argue that a Super Bowl appearance in his first six years or his first five years uh, let's call it six. Let's go ahead and just call it six and say that this year he has a chance to prove himself. Okay, let's let's be objective and say this is his full year six. Uh, uh, we can even call this, I guess, year five if you want because of last year. Um, however, by year six, uh, well, if we're, if we're being extremely specific here, Tom Brady, three Super Bowls, three Super Bowl appearances, three Super Bowl wins by year Four, by year four from the day he started on the team, from he was the starter and on. Four, uh, excuse me, three out of four Super Bowl appearances, so three out of six. Uh, if you're looking at Russell Wilson, two in his first three Super Bowl appearances. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, two in his first five. Aaron Rodgers, one in his first three. Pat Mahomes, three seasons. Two Super Bowl appearances in his first three. Joe Flacco, one in his first five. Jared Goff, uh, first season, didn't start all, didn't even start, he started one game here. So uh, one Super Bowl appearance in his first two seasons. And then Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. None of those guys have Super Bowl appearances. But what we do have here is also playoff appearances. Tom Brady, five playoff appearances in his first six years. Uh, his his second year there, they went nine and seven, um, so average year. But every other year was like thirteen and three, fourteen and two, ten and six, all all above average uh, years. Russell Wilson five playoff appearances in his first six years. Ben Roethlisberger four. Aaron Rodgers five. Pat Mahomes all three years been in the playoffs. Joe Flacco five playoff appearances in his first six years. Uh, Jared Goff. Uh, three playoff appearances in his first four. Matt Ryan, four in his first six. Matthew Stafford, two in his first six. Uh, and if we're not counting year two, because he only played three games, probably because of injury, that's 
two in his first five. And then Lamar Jackson, three out of three. Um, he was on the team the whole year. His first year started seven games. Uh, I believe he came in and took over for Flacco that year uh, and took them into the playoffs. So we can kind of count that, but, you know, we don't really have to. So two for two. Josh Allen, two for three. And Dak Prescott, two for his first. We'll call it four. If if we're saying that this is year five because of injury, we'll call it two for six, two for five, like two. So Matthew Stafford. Right now we're looking at a Matthew Stafford if we're talking about playoff appearances versus his first five to six years. Um. Right here, we don't have anything that's telling us that Dak Prescott deserves his, deserves the money that he got paid. If we're looking at this year's games, this year's games alone, uh, whenever he threw 58 passes against Tampa Bay, they lost. 58. They put the ball in Dak's hands the entire game. Gave running backs like 10 plays or something like that. Um, we lost. Okay, We put the ball in Dak's hands a lot. The odds are that we're going to lose. We put the ball in Dak's hands half the time, an average amount of the time, we're probably going to win. We're going to have give ourselves a chance to win because, number one, that's clock control. Number two, good passing leads to good rushing. So if we have an effective but limited quarterback, like he's not throwing every single down, therefore the ones he is throwing, he's being effective on, the rushing attack is going to be highly effective. Well, look at week two, 27 pass attempts, completed 23, excellent, 85% completion. We win 20 to 17. Uh, 26 pass attempts against Philly, we won 41 to 21. 22 pass attempts against Carolina, we win 36 to 28. And in that game, I believe Carolina had uh, 14 or 21 garbage points that they had to get. I mean, we dominated that game. Defense dominated them. Rush was dominant. And then the passes were effective. Uh, and I would say the passes were effective. He was only 63% in that game. 63 compared to his previous two games were 80 and 85. Uh, New York, 32. I would say that 30 to 35 passes is Dak's um, range of being effective. Okay? Uh, if we look at 51 on uh, on the New England game, the half of the reason why he had to have 51 passes was to overcome the two turnovers that he had that forced them in to overtime. Also, overtime pass attempts counted in this game, so that added to that 51. So in regulation, let's call it 30 to 35 to keep Dak the most effective that he can be. We go to 39. He was 19 for 39 at that Denver Bronco game. Uh, the argument was he was rusty. Okay, he's shaking off some of that rust. Well, why are we passing the ball more? Why are we passing the ball down the field with a rusty quarterback? That is a quarterback's decision. Nine times out of ten, the coach is not going to tell an NFL quarterback, you pass it down the field and nothing else. You don't have any opportunity to do your check downs. You don't have any opportunity to try to get three or four or five yards on a pass. That is a quarterback's decision, and his his decision making wasn't rusty. He's still one of the if he's if he's a quarterback in the NFL, he is one of the top half uh, one tenth of a percent of of people who can think 
through the the quickness of a of a football game of an NFL football game, he's still one of the top in the world. Okay, but now let's talk about quarterbacks. Well, uh, his mind didn't get injured, right? He didn't he, he didn't take a hit to his thinking ability. But anyways, he took third and ones, third and fours, fourth and twos, and he took forty to fifty yard shots down the field rather than three or four yard shots. Eat some clock, keep the drive alive, and let's play football let's make them stop rushing seven or eight people because they can't afford to because we'll get a five or ten yard play when they do that if he changes the play if he changes what is happening at the line of scrimmage and at at what point in time does his ability to cognitively process that stuff change because he had a calf injury he had two weeks to like to think of things to do two weeks to plan against Denver now maybe he didn't fully plan against Denver uh, the week that they played uh, uh, Cooper Rush off the top of my head I can't think of who they played Minnesota there it is Um, maybe he didn't fully plan to play against Denver during the Minnesota prep week because maybe he could come back okay well he still had once he figured out that he was not going to be playing he had all that time to prep and figure out what he needs to do against Denver and so Denver Denver's not that dominating of a team. And so for them to come out and just absolutely squash the Cowboys, squash the offense, they just squashed the offense. Denver's defense had something to do with it. That play call had something to do with it. But the quarterback has the opportunity to counter that play call at the line of scrimmage. And if he's not going to do that, then what are we paying this dude for? Anyways, these top 10 quarterbacks here are equally or more efficient than than Dak Prescott in their first few years. Their first six is what I added up here. I would rather, if I could have elite production, if I could have elite production, I'm looking at people who are in the playoffs at least 50% of the time, if not more, hopefully more, um, the only person on here that's not considered elite is Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford is considered an average quarterback. He has De- uh, Detroit Lions, which, well, he did. Uh, if you put anybody in Detroit, they can be as great as you want them to be, but they're likely going to get overshadowed by somebody. Take Barry Sanders. Take Calvin Johnson. They they were the best at their position or tied for the best at their position at their given and respective times that they played. But they played for Detroit, and Detroit, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like the Cubs for however many years in baseball. They, you know, they didn't play in the Super in the World Series until like since like 1907 or 1914 or whatever it was. Maybe they're cursed. Maybe they're cursed like the Red Sox who gave away Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Um, and they did they didn't go back to the the World Series until, you know, 2004 or 8 or whatever that year was. Uh, maybe maybe the Detroit Lions are cursed in some capacity. I don't know what it is. But despite what the Detroit Lions are, despite what they can put together or not, this quarterback here has played basically the same as Dak Prescott. And so we're looking at we're looking at Detroit Lions in Dallas. That's what we're looking at. A couple playoff appearances, and that's it. Um, decent quarterback play. Uh, his quarterback rating, which uh, 
So I look at QBR because QBR tells me what he's doing when he has the decision to throw the ball. Uh, he has they have this other rating which takes into account several different things, and I don't know the uh, the the math behind that, but I know the math behind the QBR. Uh, Matthew Stafford has a 63.8 QBR in his first six years. And I believe that even includes the year he went three and three. Uh, he played three games and went one and two. Um, you have. Uh, um, where are we at? Here we go. You got Dak Prescott, who Dak Prescott's QBR is a 75.5. But again, his results are mediocre. And if you look at if you look at the if the at the Detroit Lions and you look at the Dallas Cowboys, who should be in the playoffs more over the past five years? Who has had a better team over the past five years? If you look at overall record, the the Detroit Lions they had a, a losing record with Stafford one, two, three years of his first five. They had a losing record three of five years. And we're still looking at Matthew Stafford putting up similar numbers to Dak Prescott. Uh, uh, his QBR, okay, so his QBR is, is, is a little bit less. Uh, his yard average is about the same, 7.2 yards per attempt, 7.2 for Dak, um, excuse me, uh, 7.7 for Dak and 7.0 for Matthew Stafford. So very similar, uh, 0.7 of a yard different. Uh, interception percent, Matthew Stafford, 2.7, Dak Prescott, 1.7. So, okay, Dak's sounding better over Matthew Stafford as we're looking at it. Uh, interceptions, Dak Prescott, 40. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 85. Garbage, right? Looking at some garbage. Touchdowns, 4.2%, 4.5%. Not much different in the touchdown percentage. Um, looks like uh, 131 touchdowns, including a year where he did not play. Th- uh, well, I, get, I think this probably includes Dak Prescott's five games as well. Uh, his amount of touchdowns, Matthew Stafford, 131. Dak Prescott, 106. Uh, total yards, 17,634 so far. Um, Matthew Stafford, 21,714. Completion percentage, Dak's at 66%. Matthew Stafford's at 60. And then that takes care of all those things. And Dak Prescott has a better record, um, but meh, meh, not that great. Not that great in comparison to a Matthew Stafford. A little better. A little better, I will. I will say that he's a little better in terms of the pure numbers. Uh, if we took winning percentage, uh, Matthew Stafford's winning percentage is just under fifty percent in those first five years, and Dak Prescott is right at sixty percent in there in his first five years. So we're basically looking at a Detroit Lions Matthew Stafford carbon copy, in my opinion. In Dallas, with the exception of Dallas's teams have been from start to finish better than the Lions. So you put Dak Prescott, who in my opinion is nothing more than a Matthew Stafford, you put him in the Dallas Cowboys and he gets you a few more wins. He gets you a little bit better QBR. He gets you a little bit better, a little fewer interceptions because he has better receivers. He has a better line. He has a better defense. He has better running backs. He has better you name it than what they've given Matthew Stafford in Detroit those first five or six years, even up until he left and went to the Rams. 
I think if you look at some of the numbers right now for Matthew Stafford at the Rams, he's performing at a level that indicates he would have been more successful if he had more around him like most of these teams do. Um, Detroit, the Jet, Detroit, the Jets, Cleveland, largely until the last couple of years. Um, Miami, largely until uh, maybe even still. Uh, Tennessee for a while until the last few years. Those teams, for whatever reason, hardly put together winning franchises. Okay, and so is that because of the quarterback? Is that because of everything else? Who knows? The Dallas Cowboys have consistently gone after the best talent per position at every stage in the game, and then and then they went for Dak Prescott. And I think they just, I think they settled, and I think they think that he could do the job as long as everything else around him is good. If you just look at the image on the screen, yeah, Dak Prescott's so good. All he needs is a good O-line, good running back, good receivers, good, he needs everything. If you look at Tom Brady, if you look at Russell Wilson, you do not put the guys that they have to throw the ball to at the top of the list in every single category. It's not, they don't have the best of everything. Uh, They might have an elite receiver, a good running back. They might. They might. Uh, I believe uh, Russell Wilson, um, he had his running I don't know. It was probably Marshawn Lynch. I'm, I'm going to try to, I'm going to get too far into my knowledge where I don't really know without having to look it up. Uh, but you're, you're not having guys who are average quarterbacks taking decent teams to the Super Bowl. You're having great quarterbacks taking decent teams to the Super Bowl. You're having great teams pull along a quarterback. In my opinion, the Joe Flacco quarterback comparison that I have here, his Super Bowl that he won in year five was because of that defense that they had with Ray Lewis and everybody. They they took care of the offense, so Joe Flacco did not have to produce at, at a rate that Tom Brady had to produce or that Russell Wilson had to produce. And so, but Joe Flacco is credited with making sure he managed the offense comparative to what the defense made him manage. And so, this year's defense for Dallas Cowboys is leaps and bounds better than last year's defense. I don't think if if anybody says different, they're they they didn't watch last year or they're absolute morons. What what you have is a defense that could not do anything last year. They could not do a th- they couldn't stop anybody. They forced every quarterback to just heave the ball all the time, which is why Dak has stats that he has from last year. Now, we had one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year. Now we have an average defense. Somebody who's right in the middle of the pack, who does who takes away the ball, who manages to keep teams generally speaking under, you know, around 20 points. Um, except maybe with that garbage time. I mean, you look at the Carolina game. They were at, I think they had seven points up until like the last five minutes, and somehow they managed 28. It was something like that, maybe 14. Um, Philly, 21. New York, 20. Uh, New England, 29. And, I mean, also garbage time for New England. They were down, and they had to come back and tie the game. Uh, even even the, the Bucks, we kept them to 31 points. That's a pretty decent defense. It's not the best, but it's pretty decent, and it's getting takeaways. So anyways, we're looking at Dak Prescott. We're seeing all these guys here that have Super Bowl wins 
who have playoff appearances like every year. And and what we're doing, what we're looking at is seeing that we basically have a Matthew Stafford here in Dallas. And anybody that hears the word the name Dak Prescott compared to Matthew Stafford, oh, Matthew Stafford is is garbage compared to Dak Prescott. Well, okay. Okay. If you put Matthew Stafford with the weapons that Dak has had the last five years, he does the same or better. Look at what he's doing. I don't even know what year it is. It's like year ten or twelve for him right now, and he's in uh, and he's at in in L.A. playing with the Rams. And there is not one person out there that that is seeing the exact same Matthew Stafford play in, in Detroit as they're playing in L.A. right now. Uh, last game, yeah, he played like garbage. Dak Prescott played like garbage. Maybe week nine is the week where good quarterbacks or decent quarterbacks play like garbage. Maybe it is because there were several. I believe Tom Brady had a bad week this week or the last. Um, you just have Aaron Rodgers decided to get COVID, okay? Um, Pat Mahomes having a having a really weird year for what he's put together in three years. Uh, Jared Goff, he went to Detroit. Well, uh... Whether he was good in L.A. or not, now he's starting to have to show something in Detroit where they don't ever get to see anything. Uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan, old. Matt Ryan, old and playing for a team that has a brand-new coach. Um, But in his first six years, let's look at his numbers here. His first six years, Matt Ryan had a 70.7 QBR. His uh, yards per attempt, excuse me, was 1.7. He had um, 2.3 on his interception percentage, 77 interceptions. Uh, touchdown percentage is 4.65, which beats Dak Prescott, but barely 153 touchdowns of, out of 3,200 attempts, 23,472 yards. Uh, if you're looking at Matt, uh, Matt Ryan versus uh, Dak Prescott, they're basically the same as well. 64% completion percentage versus 66% completion percentage. Uh, 4.52 on the touchdown for Dak. 4.5, uh, 4.65 for the touchdown percentage for Matt Ryan. Uh, 40 in in the few years. Uh, that interception average 1.7 versus 2.34 in favor of Dak Prescott. Uh, you're you're looking at a Matt Ryan or a Matthew Stafford here in Dallas. And it's not, it's it's not what anybody wants in terms of how, why are we paying him this much money? Why are we paying him this much money? Is it because uh, is it because he got injured? We really wanted to keep him. Uh, is it because he's a, a great leader? Blah, 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 blah. Like great leaders on the football team at the quarterback position are you can hear them when they're even not when they're mic'd up. Uh, you can hear them at the line of scrimmage. You can hear them making changes. You can hear them holding everybody accountable. You can see it on the bench. Last game, we saw nothing. Last game, last few, we only see Dak Prescott inter- like like getting with his players whenever they they do something good. We hardly ever see him keeping his team accountable whenever they're doing something bad. Uh, in my opinion, a leader's got to do both. Uh, he's got to make sure that everybody is praised for their greatness and accounted for their weakness. It's got to happen, and Dak Prescott doesn't do that, in my opinion. Uh, if we're looking at the, uh, if we're looking at the Denver game, forty-eight percent on his completion percentage. Down game. That's what we said, right? Okay. Well, let's look at this year so far. 
This year so far, his QBR is 53.6. His QBR is 53.6. Not very good. And he has had good games. So I don't know what everybody's thinking, but his passer QBR, his passer, that is that is uh, interceptions, touchdowns, yards, and completion percentage. That's what that takes into account. That is a 53.6. To say that Dak Prescott this season is playing at an elite level is, in my opinion, false. It is objectively false. Uh, his rate here, which if we, I'm going to look that up and we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, let's just, we're highlighting it here. It says uh, quarterback rating, um, minimum 1,500 pass attempts. 150 for playoff leaders. Okay, it doesn't even say what it is. It just says what, how it gets added in there. Uh, he's at 100.8, which is the best of his career. But as a passer, it's the worst of his career. I'm pretty sure that the rate takes into account his running attempts, his running touchdowns, so on and so forth. Fumbles, it takes into account. I, I, I have to go look it up and figure it out. It takes everything into account. And Dak Prescott, he can run the ball sometimes. He can find a seam. He can, but um, where, where's that? where was that last week? Okay, where was, do the quick little screen pass, make a check at the line, do a quick little hot route, screen pass, get them off your tail, and then open up some lanes to do some running. His running went side to side and backwards. Okay, and that's because he did not change anything. Audibles, nothing. Change the play. How about you change the play? I disagree with a lot of the Dak-sucking ball lickers that come on 105.3 The Fan because all they're doing is they're just massaging. They're just massaging Dak's ego. That's all they're doing. And But but this time I actually agreed. I believe it was either Sean Sharif or, or RJ Choppy. One of them said, how about go up to the line and change the play? You got seven, eight guys in your face. Make it a hot route. Change the play. Know that your receivers can beat them one-on-one -on -one and do something quick with an accurate throw. Uh, to me, that's part of the issue. He's not changing the play. His accuracy is not that great. His receivers are phenomenal receivers largely, and they make way better catches than what throws are being thrown to them. So anyways, we're looking at Dak. Objectively speaking, we have an average quarterback. So if you, if you take the things that you see in the game and you look at them without your Dak-sucking ball liquor goggles – then what you'll see is average throws that have to be adjusted by your by your receivers. You have um, not much changing the plays at the line. Now, maybe this changes because maybe he's listening to some of this stuff that's being put out on all these radio shows. Maybe he's like, oh, I can go up an audible. How about that? That's a thing. You'll see average quarterback play. You'll see average quarterback play with an above-average team, and that's what we have. We have an above-average team with an average quarterback. Until next time, I'm the Average Joe Boo for Average Joe's Media. Oh, you like Dak? Make sure you pump the brakes. Welcome to the Cowboys. This season six veterans. We all judge you. We all judge you, everybody's watching you play.
all waiting to see why you got paid. What happens next? What happens next? Subpar performance. Subpar performance. I dare you to lift your team up on your back. Another turnover. Another turnover. But it wasn't tax problem. No, it wasn't Dax's fault this time.